Welcome to Civics and Coffee. My name is Alicia, and I am a self-professed history nerd. Each week, I'm going to chat about a topic on U.S. history and give you both the highlights and occasionally break down some of the complexities in history and share stories you may not remember learning in high school, all in the time it takes to enjoy a cup of coffee. Hey peeps, welcome back. A few weeks ago, I had the privilege of welcoming author and editor Landon Jones to the show. Jones is a former managing editor of People Magazine and Money Magazine, and has written several books. He came on to the show to discuss his latest effort, Celebrity Nation, which is a fascinating study of the history of celebrity. Our conversation was held over Zoom, and so I am including my typical sound quality warning here. I hope you all enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Hey, everyone. With me today is Landon Jones. He is an editor and author who's written several books, including a biography of William Clark, co-leader of the Lewis and Clark Expedition. He recently wrote a new book, Celebrity Nation, analyzing the evolution of celebrity culture in the United States, which will be the focus of our conversation today. Welcome, Landon. Well, thank you very much, Alyssa. All right, so let's dive right in here. What prompted you to write a book about the history of celebrity culture? Well, it was a little inevitable for me because I was the editor of People Magazine. And and in that job, I was meeting and interviewing a lot of celebrities. And some of them were pretty well known, like Princess Diana, you know, uh, Elizabeth Taylor. And so everyone kept saying to me, "Uh, you should write a book about this. But I didn't want to write a bunch of celebrity, you know, gossipy tales. I, I wanted it to be a more serious book that would explain what was going on with celebrity culture. And I was beginning to notice it was becoming more and more dominant as people succeeded. And so I wanted to connect the dots somehow and find common themes that are, are behind the rise. And, and now I know somewhat scary rise of celebrity culture. Yeah, and in the book, you you discuss the shift between hero and celebrity. So who do you think was the person or people who blurred the hero and celebrity line? Oh, th- that's a good question. The When you do the history of fame and the history of celebrity, when you go back and look at it in American history, the people you see are people like Charles Lindbergh, you know, who, who started off as a hero. But then he sort of became a celebrity and he became a victim of celebrity when his child was kidnapped. And then so it started to blur then. And then you see Albert Einstein, who became overnight the most famous scientist in the world. And uh, and he was ambivalent about celebrity. I mean, in some ways, he was smart enough to be suspicious. <laughs> but in the other ways, he was fascinated by it. And we see that sort of duality that that uh, ambivalence that both of them had. And so that's it. For me, by the way, a key moment when I suddenly saw this was when we we used to do focus groups of people Mm -hmm. and to try to understand what readers were interested in. And the focus group moderator would ask the people to warm them up. So we'd say, okay, let's just talk. So, So who are your heroes? And they would say heroes. But then one time I noticed that she didn't ask that question anymore. And so I said to her, so how come you don't ask the hero's question anymore? 
And she said, they can't think of any. And I thought, ah, that was a eureka moment. There was some kind of war going on between celebrities and heroes, and celebrities were winning. And, th- and that was important to understand and to know about. And so, as you've mentioned, you worked at People in its early days, and you share several stories of your time there in the book. And so, how do you think mass media impacted the idea of celebrity? Wow. What happened, all of celebrity has ridden on a horse called technology. And you see it from the beginning. Um, I can go back and talk about Alexander the Great, but with... and the time that I was there, it was when, when we started there, we didn't even use the word celebrity. Right. We talked about unusual or interesting people of all kinds. But what, what happened, the mass media and the smartphones and the social media kind of brought scale to it. And so suddenly, everyone who was had exposure, name exposure, face mm-hmm. exposure, on social media or even just reality television became recognized and recognizable and famous. And so you didn't even know why they were famous anymore, but they were famous. And so people paid attention and that's still going on. Right. What did your research uncover about how Americans are so fascinated by celebrities? Well, it's uh, it's, it's, it's scary. What you see is a growing percentage of people who you might call celebrity worshipers and who really devote their lives to and what they think of as an intimate relationship with some, some famous people or persons. Now, a psychologist called this a parasocial relationship in which it's a one-way street. You think you have an intimate relationship with somebody, but they don't know you at all. And the consequence of that is, is serious because People withdraw, and they withdraw from their communities. We know that the more people, the more time people spend worshiping celebrity, the less involved they are in their communities, the less likely they are to vote. And mm. so there's, there's certain basic things that are that are sort of dropping by the wayside uh, thanks to the fascination people have celeb- with celebrities. And now, uh, even children... When they ask nine-year-old children, what do you want to be when you grow up? They don't say, I want to be president, I want to be cowboy, or I want to be a cowgirl. <laughs> they say, oh, I want to be famous. Mm. And, um, and then say, so what's the number two choice? And they say, then they say, well, I want to work for a famous person. So they, they just want proximity to fame. And that's mm-hmm. what seems to matter to them. Mm. It's the children. And so... How does American celebrity culture differ from other countries? Well, it's everywhere, you know. I mean, I looked into that and I tried to find examples where I saw it most often, of course, was in Europe and then in Japan and Korea. Um, and there were K-pop in Korea. And I have a, chap- a half a chapter in my book about K-pop. But still, the scale in the U.S. and the, the penetration of social media and the amount of people who are using it is just so much larger. And the payoff and the money is so much, so much marketing money is riding on a, on basically social influencers who are paid and, and to sponsor various uh, products and social media. So it's, it's, it's really a, a, amazing uh, the scale that's going on here. And this continues. 
Yeah. And you talk, you've talked about it a little bit. You've touched on it, but I am curious there. We've talked about technology driving celebrity, but one of the big things that you've, you've hinted at is social media and how that really kind of changed the game. And so I'm, I'm curious in, in what other manners do you think social media has really changed the celebrity landscape? Well, it's made it available to just about everyone. I just saw, you know, recently that the the Netherlands, Holland, has outlawed smartphones in schools mm-hmm. because they don't want children in schools to be distracted or to get inf- misinformation from it. And I'm not sure if this is your question exactly, but what is a result is the spread of misinformation everywhere. Mm-hmm. And where is the information coming from? What is social media? Well, then who is who is delivering? And it's often celebrities on social media that are delivering the initial misinformation. The phrase I've been using recently is the weaponization of celebrity. It, it is used in politics in particular, but it's also used in products everywhere. Yeah. And I think in your book, you kind of cover how social media has created almost a a level playing field, quote unquote, right, where almost anybody can be a celebrity, or at least feel like they might be a celebrity. So these platforms have kind of created this space where people that want to be into be a celebrity or want to be famous can, can kind of join. Well, they certainly can. And, and you see it in politics, I do anyway, where that a populist you know, who is appealing to the broadest possible base becomes popular, but just simply because of name recognition. And this is why so many celebrities are going into politics these days. I mean, it's hard to imagine the 2024 elections in states, you know, counties, and in the nation, in the presidency, uh, without celebrities playing a truly significant role. And, And the question becomes, how accountable are they? I mean, who, who's checking the facts? And uh, so that's a problem. And that relates slightly to another issue um, I see with celebrities, and I see it now, and you see it in American history, which is that if you are defiant, if you are defi- a defiant celebrity and you go against the norm, it doesn't hurt you. It popularizes you and because people talk about you. And so we saw it going back, you know, and then, 19th century to Andrew Jackson, he did that. You saw it with Oscar Wilde. You saw it with Calamity Jane. You saw it with an actress named Sarah Bernhardt. And all of these people are defiant. And you see it today in Donald Trump mm-hmm. and other people who, who do the same thing. It doesn't matter how outrageous you are. You get talked about and you get attention and you get voted for. Yeah. And you discuss early how early on celebrity was not really something to be coveted. It was they people didn't like that idea. They kind of proactively avoided being recognized as a quote unquote celebrity. And so through your research, when and how did that sentiment or that feeling to celebrity change? Yes, yeah, it started to change really in the 18th century. I mean, when books came out and and people who didn't think they would be famous, suddenly fame descended upon them. Mm. So you have the French writer Jean-Jacques Rousseau, who used to go out and play play uh, chess in the Parisian gardens. 
you know, with anybody who would drop by. But then he realized he was being besieged by fans, and he hated it. And he wrote about that. And he was one of the first people to really do that, to really complain about the the uh, the injury that fame was producing for him. You saw Samuel Johnson, another writer, uh, do the same thing. And these were writers. And, uh, I mean, by today's standards, they weren't nearly as famous as, you know, a movie star or a television star or a social media star or a reality television star is. And so, um, and I'm a Greta Garbo famously said, I, I want to be alone. And uh, <laughs> she wanted that for her mental health. And people tried, and they tried to withdraw. I mean, I think that the Princess Diana, in her own way, she sort of got it at the end. And she tried to withdraw, but but they wouldn't let her, and the paparazzi still chased her everywhere. Right. And Prince, her, her son, Prince Harry, complains about it. Although Prince Harry sort of wants to have it both ways. I mean, he wants to complain about what the press does to him, understandably. At the same time, he wants to use the machinery, you know, of celebrity, you know, the celebrity industrial complex to uh, give to publish books, to start a, a TV channel or something and, and to do interviews with Oprah. And so all, all of this, uh, he's ambivalent and he, he's still sorting his way out of it. Yeah. And so I am curious, what does studying fame and celebrity kind of tell us or show us about American history? Well, it shows me the role of technology. So whenever a new technology comes, when it was originally photography, you know, when when they started, when Matthew Brady started doing still pictures, they discovered that the pictures that sold the most were not the ones of uh, presidents. They were the ones of actresses and Buffalo Bill, you know, and, and Annie Oakley and people like that uh, were, so they made part, so the image uh, and the technology was, was, was what uh what it showed me how was and is celebrity different for men and women oh well it, when you become a celebrity you 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 can get hurt and what i realized and what the studies show is that your longevity is less than that of most americans and it is uh men who are famous stars live 13 years less than an average man. Mm. Women live, who are stars live 23 years less. Mm. And so it is, you know, they're vulnerable to, you name it, to, to body image, to depressive feelings, to suicide and to drugs. And in the list of stars who've died simply from drug overdoses, as you know, is depressingly long and we've lost some very good people. So it, it does, you get hurt badly, uh, and the women get particularly hurt. And I might say also that it's, it's pretty rough on, on people of color, uh, and they get hurt too, and they were excluded at, uh, at first. Mm -hmm. And um, they're doing better now, but it's, it's still dangerous for them. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, the celebrity machine or celebrity industrial complex, as, as you referred to it, is... Um, it's almost it feels like a little reflective of wherever the country is at the time. And so as the country was exclusionary, the celebrity industrial complex was exclusionary. And 
take t- trying to take advantage of others, right, for their for their own benefit without providing that protection. Yeah, they do. And then um, where should future readers go when they've finished your book and they want to learn more? Oh, there's 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 some good books out there. And I tried to read them all. <laughs> the books that influenced me, the first one was a book published in 1961 by the Librarian of Congress, Daniel Borston, called The Image. And he defined a celebrity in The Image as a person who was famous for being famous. And that pretty well captured it in a nutshell. And this is in 1961. He also used the phrase uh, pseudo-events, events that were created by celebrities simply for publicity. And he was the first person to recognize that. Now, beyond that, more recently, there's a very good book by California professor Leo Brody called The Frenzy of Renown. It's a big, thick encyclopedia history, history of famous people from Alexander the Great. And I read a book by, uh, got to know Robert Putnam, a uh, dean of, at Harvard, who wrote a book called Bowling Alone. And, and this was a book that said that there was something was going on in American life that people were no longer joining. They were simply, they were no longer joining bowling leagues or anything else. They were bowling alone. And that was a eureka moment for, for me. I thought there's something to that. And maybe it has something to do with the celebrity, the rise of the dis- distracting celebrity complex. Maybe that's why people, you know, are bowling alone. Now I called him up and talked to him about it. And we, we got along well on that point. And there's a, one other good book is, well, Christopher Louse's book called The Culture of Narcissism. It's basically about the mental damage that a celebrity causes. It makes you prone to become a narcissist. Mm-hmm. And there's something I had not heard of until I learned about more about celebrities is they're vulnerable to something called acquired situational narcissism. Mm-hmm. And no, there's not a pill for that. It's a, you just become narcissistic. And you expect people to sort of serve you. And and celebrities, of course, are very vulnerable to that. Hmm. And as we wrap up, is there anything we haven't covered today that you'd like listeners to know? Well, one of them was the weaponization of celebrity and how it has been used and misused in politics. And and that, that worries me a lot. And that the damage done to children, we've talked about that. Mm-hmm. But those are important points. And I think that the people and celebrities just simply need to be careful of, of what can happen if, if if the celebrities themselves are overexposed to it, if the celebrity worshipers are overexposed to it, and if the community itself is victimized by it. And we're seeing all three of those things happen. And it's sort of a conspiracy between marketers, media, and a willing public. Yeah. The reading of your book and and kind of the the contrasting ideas of how it was created and and so many of the pitfalls was a pretty fascinating analysis. So I definitely recommend listeners out there pick the book up. It's a very accessible read. Um, It's very succinct, very to the point with great little anecdotes. So thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. We are becoming a celebrity nation. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we are. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you again for coming on to chat with me today. And again, to my listeners out there, 
please, if you are interested in celebrity, celebrity culture, um, the history of celebrity, I highly, highly recommend picking up a copy of the book Celebrity Nation. It is, like I said, very quick and accessible. And uh, Landon Jones has a wonderful writing style. Oh, thank so. you. I enjoyed talking to you. <laughs> thank you Talk so much. Bye bye. All right, folks, there you have it. My sincerest thanks again to Landon for coming on and chatting about his book with me. I will include a link for more information in the show notes of this episode. Thanks, peeps. I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Civics and Coffee. If you want to hear more small snippets from American history, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining me, and I look forward to our next cup of coffee together. Mm -hmm.